Malachi chapter 2 verse 7 says the words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God and people should go to him for instruction are we called to be priests and messengers of heaven listen to this week's sermon to get an understanding on the qualifications of a priest as pastor priji walks us through the book of malachi we have been studying on the topic of honor do you know the key verse the theme verse for this month what is it first samuel chapter 2 verse 30 let's read it out together but i will honor those who honor me and i will despise those who think lightly of me one more time first samuel chapter 2 and verse 30 but i will honor those who honor me and i will despise those who think lightly of me one more time first samuel chapter 2 verse 30 i will honor those who honor me and i will despise those who think lightly of me now last sunday we focused on the book of esther on the story of mordecai more than the story of esther we were focusing on the story of the man mordecai how he was a man of honor towards god towards his own identity towards the king towards his daughter technically his daughter no longer a cousin but she had been adopted into his family as his own daughter even his daughter he was willing to honor and submit to in order to bring forth what god had planned for her life today i want us to go into the into the last book of the old testament which is malachi okay and we are going to be reading through this book not the whole book you can go back and that's something you can try and do this week it's got only four chapters even if you read like 10 verses every day you can finish it over a week but this is a book that emphasizes on the need for honor you know it's almost like the nation of israel has visited a dentist you know how discouraging it is to go to a dentist he will he will pick out on everything you know and he'll be like there is dirt here you're not brushing here you're not you, you know this is what you're doing wrong the paste is wrong the, you know you should not be using this mouthwash and that and this and you get a lot of feedback nobody goes to dentist here please visit dentist at least once a year it's a it's a good thing from your for your oral health yeah and and you always get a feedback and the dentist is like i need to clean this part you know it'll, it'll be uncomfortable but i i need to clean this part i need to fix this area you know and it's not because the guy hates us you know it's not because he wants to just make money off us he he's genuinely trying to help us in the process he's giving us feedback because he can see things that you and i can't because we are oblivious to these things and and this is what is happening to the nation of israel there are so many things that that they are completely clueless about and here is the lord speaking to them and revealing to them and answering their questions and giving them feedback okay let's read malachi chapter 1 and verse 2 the lord says i have always loved you says the lord but you retort really how have you loved us so the nation is asking a question back to god god is saying 
I have always loved you. I have loved you and I have loved you with an everlasting love. But the nation is asking, really? Then prove that to me. It doesn't look like it. When I look at my surroundings, when I look at my health, when I look at my bank account, when I look at the prayers that I have prayed and the answers that I have received, the ratio of it, it doesn't really look like you love me. The nation is retorting back to God saying, are you sure God that you have really loved us? Are you sure that you have really taken care of us? Are you sure that you have really provided for us? Can you imagine a nation having the audacity to challenge God? Having the guts to ask God, are you sure? Having the, having the guts to retort back to God saying, are you sure? Do you, did you really love us? How have you loved us? Prove your love for us. Prove your care for us. And then the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love to you. It is when I loved your ancestor, Jacob. There is somebody that I loved. There is somebody that you represent. There is somebody who you, you flow out of. And I have loved Jacob. And the fact that I have loved Jacob, that is enough for me to prove that I love you. That is enough. Now you don't need to see the same thing work out for you, for each and everything that you are praying for. But if you can see the evidence of God's love in your DNA, in your lineage, if you can see the evidence of prosperity, the evidence of provision anywhere in any of the, the communities that God has planted you in, whether it be your physical family or it be your spiritual family. If you can look at a Jacob and say, wait a minute, this is a man that God loves. This is a man that God selected. This is a man that God chose. If you can find evidence for that, guess what? You're loved. That's all the evidence you need to know that you are loved. God doesn't go into saying, hey, wait a minute, what about the food that I gave you last week, which God has been giving them? What about the protection that I've been giving you in this season of exile, which God has been giving them? And yet, the Lord is not bringing out those details to prove His love for them. The Lord is saying, hey, it is proved in the way that I have loved Jacob. So you will be able to experience and enjoy this love and be able to manifest this love only to the measure that you have a revelation of who is your Jacob and how blessed is your Jacob. Let me read that one more time. The Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. It is by the fact that I loved your ancestor Jacob. So you have to be, your eyes have to be open to understand your Jacob. Your eyes have to be open to understand the prosperity and the blessing upon your Jacob. And that will give you a revelation of how much God loves you. If you don't have a family, if you don't have a, a, a place where you can be connected to, where you can be submitted to, where you can not just attend once a while, but where you can just say, okay, wait, this is, this is my inheritance. This is my portion. Then I, 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 I pray that this season you would go into that search and understand in asking God, show me 
my inheritance show me my dna show me the family that i need to be plugged in show me my jacob show me my man of god show me the place my prophet my leaders where i need to be committed to because if you can identify a man that is loved by god if you can identify a a woman that is loved by god if you can just submit to them and if you can just come under their covering i am telling you there is absolutely nothing that becomes impossible for you because now everything flows as an inheritance it just flows because you are now part of a community you're part of a family amen god is replying to them saying hey this is how i showed my love for you i loved your ancestor jacob but i rejected his brother esau and i devastated his hill country i turned esau's inheritance into a desert of jackals so you you see the the contrast the the there's one family who's got a great inheritance another family that doesn't have inheritance at all now if you ask me the present state of the nation of judah and israel was very sad because they were not enjoying their inheritance they were not really able to uh, you know tap into all the blessings that god had given them and yet the lord says look at your neighbors now the edomites they were on the outside they were very blessed that is why there were a lot of prophetic books lot of prophets that were sent to tell them hey don't boast in your riches because god can turn it around and so here god is saying hey technically speaking in the physical realm it looks like you have you have nothing but they have great things but this is this is my plan and promise over you it is that you have been loved because i have loved your ancestor because there is a word that has been spoken over jacob there is no way that your inheritance will fail but edom that's not the state that's not the story for edom you know who is edom esau jacob's brother e- esau's other name was edom and you know what happened with esau right he sold his birthright his inheritance even before he could uh, be rejected by isaac for the blessing Esau had already sold that birthright so he was no longer qualified to have an inheritance he was no longer qualified to pass down an inheritance and that is why God says hey this is what I did I loved Jacob but I rejected his brother Esau so if you if you're coming against me saying show me prove my love for you and here is my proof is the fact that I selected Jacob not because he's perfect not because he did everything correct but i i i showed my unconditional love and grace towards him he didn't deserve it he was a cheater he was a deceiver he was not perfect and yet i showed my love towards him and that is proof enough that now you will have an inheritance your inheritance will not go to the jackals and somebody said an amen let's jump to verse 6 okay the first thing that god was trying to clear out was their confusion about love okay the second thing let's go to verse 6 the lord of heaven's armies now says to the, to whom to the to the priest now the entire nation of israel had 12 tribes and out of the 12 tribes there was this one tribe called the tribe of levi and in the tribe of levi there was a family of aaron and the family of aaron were chosen to be priests 
Okay? Now, this was a privilege that was very unique to only one family of one tribe in the entire nation. But if you come into the New Testament, I am not the priest. All of you are the priests. Sometimes in the eyes of the world, the ones that are in full-time ministry and those that are preaching from the stage, they become the, the priests of the church. That's how they look at pastors and leaders in the church. But that's not true. According to the New Testament church, all of us, we are the royal priesthood. Now we are kings and priests before God. Okay, so this applies to you and to me. Okay, all of us. Now let's read it one more time. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest, A son honors his father and a servant respects his master. He'll be talking about what? Honor and respect. Now he says, there are two kinds of relationships that priests may have with me. One is this relationship of being a son and the other is the relationship of being a a servant. See, as a son, you have inheritance. But as a servant, you, you have a responsibility. Now, you, you know, you're obligated to serve. Okay? He says, now, you're not just my sons, you're also my servants. You're not just my servants, you're also my sons. Now, a son honors his father, but a servant, he respects his master. Now, you call me father. You call me master. God is saying this. This is what you call me, priest of God. You say that I'm a father. You say that I'm your master. But then where is the honor and the respect that I deserve? So the question that we may have is, God, isn't the fact that they're calling you father, isn't that respect? Isn't the fact that they're still serving you, isn't that honor? Isn't the fact that they're still you know, coming to church week after week. They are still, you know, Christians, that they are still people that, you know, do everything that other Christians do. Isn't that honor? Isn't that a sign of their uh, submission and their respect to you? Their question is, when did this happen? Where sits, it goes on to say, you have shown contempt to my name. Contempt. You know what the word contempt is usually your used in, in the setup of a court. When there is a court proceeding going on and there is somebody who talks, who, who cross talks or who goes outside the order of doing things, then they are held in contempt of the court. Okay, the court will say, hey, you've been held in contempt. And God is saying, you have shown contempt to my name. But then the question these guys have is, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? Have, didn't, didn't, didn't we do this? Didn't we do like one long hour of praise and worship in church? We sang about all the names of God that we know. We, 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 we sang so loud, we clapped and we jumped and we did all of this. How did we show contempt for your name? How did we dishonor you? How did we disrespect you? Now, you ready for the answers? Verse 7, God says, You have shown contempt by offering what? Defiled sacrifices on my altar. So God is saying, hey, it's not the concept of you being able to bring sacrifices. The question is really, how 
defiled is that sacrifice that you're bringing to me? The question really is how pure is your worship? How, how sincere is your worship? How heartfelt is your heartfelt is your worship? If it is not, then this is a, a defiled sacrifice. This is not a sacrifice that brings honor to me. This is not a sacrifice that brings respect to me. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? Because they, they, are, they are genuinely in doubt. They're wondering, how did we defile the sacrifices? What did we do? What is this big sin that God is talking about? Okay, now re- listen to the reply. He says, you defile them, how? By saying that the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. The altar of the Lord. Do you know what is an altar? The altar is the equipment used to sacrifice upon. Okay, the altar is the house upon which the sacrifice is built. The altar is not the sacrifice. The altar is not the worship. The altar is not what you give to God. The altar is the thing that you prepare, the place you prepare upon which you give your sacrifice. Now these priests, they've been preparing the sacrifice for a long time. They've been doing their, they've been doing their best. They've been bringing their best and all of that. And yet, they are not respecting the altar upon which they bring that sacrifice. Like they get all the outside things. You know, in the Old Testament, when, when God gave them a, a description of how they should sacrifice, there was tiny, minute details of, you know, how much you should bring, what you should do. All of those things, this, these priests, they have been paying attention to. But this is what they do. They say, but the altar, no. The altar, it's okay. I don't need to respect the altar. The altar is just a place where we worship. You know, it doesn't matter because God sees my heart. God sees the fact that I I just want to, you know, bring my best to Him. But God says, hey, this is how you defile the sacrifices. It is by first the fact that you say the altar does not deserve respect. So what what is the altar where you worship today? What is your altar today? This church where you come together every week after week to to worship, to lift up the name of God. Is this church an altar? Is this a place where we bring our sacrifices and we give to God? Okay, what is the altar in your personal lives? Our home, your homes, how, how, you know, the places where you host God's presence, that is your altar? Because that, that, it is necessary that you, you have an environment where you can worship God, right? You know, if you read the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, you would see that Elijah, after a long season when the nation did not have altars, Elijah, the Bible says, he went up on Mount Carmel and he began rebuilding the altar. He set up the altar first. He did not straight go off into the sacrifice, although he could have. But he took a long time, a majority of the time, he spent building, rebuilding the altar. Because he knew that the altar is as important as the sacrifice that I build upon it. So it's not just about the the songs that I sing here. It is how I prepare to come. You know, simple, as simple as, you know, when we are coming to church, hey, do we come on time to church? How soon do we come? Do we come excited with, 
with our hearts prepared? Is our minds prepared? Is our clothes prepared? Are, are we preparing ourselves? Is, the, is there a respect and an honor that you show, not just for the sacrifice, but even for the altar upon which you will sacrifice? Is there a respect that you show to the altar? Because the Bible says, you defile them by saying that the altar of the Lord doesn't deserve respect. Does the altar of God deserve respect this morning? Yes. Because if the altar doesn't deserve respect, then our worship is defiled. Then our sacrifices, it is unholy. Then our sacrifices is not useful in the eyes of God. I'm not speaking to those who don't understand what your identity is. I'm speaking to those who know that you are a priest in this house. You, you, you cannot outsource the job of worshipping to the people on the stage. You cannot outsource the job of hosting the presence of God to the pastor who is bringing the word. You cannot outsource the job of, you know, playing good music to the people that have a microphone on the stage. No. It is each and every one of our responsibility to come and prepare ourselves and, and make sure that the altar is ready, that the altar deserves respect and the altar is set up before we begin to worship, before we begin to put a sacrifice upon that altar. Verse 8, then he is now talking about the sacrifice. First, the problem was with the altar. Okay? We began by saying, Okay, God is now giving them a revelation of their spiritual DNA, their lineage. God is saying, this is how you know that I've loved you, that you have a father. This is how you know that you have been chosen by God, that you are a descendant of your ancestor Jacob. And I've loved Jacob because I've loved Jacob. That love is now your portion. Then he goes on to say, you've defiled the sacrifices by disrespecting the altar. So when you disrespect the place where you worship, the people that you worship with, the, the homes where you're supposed to host the presence of God and you're, you're hosting something else there, the phones and the laptops that you're supposed to be using to, to watch videos and listen to songs or whatever you do to glorify God, when you use those altars and, and you use it for some other purposes that, that defile the name of God, Man, that's, you know, you saying, this doesn't deserve respect. So that's the first thing God, you know, pointed out. The next thing the Lord is saying is in verse 8. And when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Why didn't you try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Can you see the heart of God here? He's saying look at the kind of sacrifices or the animals that you're bringing. They are not perfect. They are, they are blind animals. They are animals that you can't use anywhere else. They are animals that are not you know, very productive. They are animals that are crippled or diseased. This is what you're bringing for worship. Now, let me ask you a question. Like, when do you start preparing for worship on a Sunday morning? You know, we, you know let's, let's keep aside our personal times of worship. Let's talk about just coming together once a week here. When do we start preparing 
for our Sunday morning worship? Or when should we start preparing for our Sunday morning worship? Starting on Sunday afternoon when you step out of here, you have to start preparing. Starting on Monday morning, you, you know, you, you're, you're preparing your life, you're preparing your giving, you're preparing your sacrifice to be in such high quality that when you bring it to God, He doesn't find it crippled. Because God is not just concerned about how loud you sing. God is concerned about the quality of our worship. He's concerned about the quality of our giving to the Lord. And the Lord is saying, hey, you know, I, I see what you don't seem to notice. I see that things that you don't seem to find so, you know, challenging or so dangerous. It's, it's the fact that the animals that you're bringing, it's blind, that it is crippled and it is diseased. Will you give these kind of things to God? Will you give these kind of things to the house of God? Will you give these kind of things to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, when not even our watchmen will receive something like this? When not even, you know, our government officials will be treated like this? You know, if you come late for an appointment in an office, what do you think will happen to you? Do you think you will get your interview? Do you think that they will say, ah, oh, I understand. I understand the fact that, you know, you had to wake up, you had children at home. You know, we understand, you know, we'll, we'll show you. No boss, no manager, nobody in their right mind will say, hey, all of that is fine. It's okay that you've come one hour late. You know, it's okay. You know, let me still hire you. God is saying even your governor will not accept it. Why are you bringing that to me? Why, I, why do you think that God will be okay with this? But, you know, flight I will miss. Train will not wait for me. But God, no, is very patient. He will wait for me. He, he, he's okay. He, he understands my problems. So he will be there. And God is saying, no, no, no. This is a blind offering that you're bringing to me. This is a crippled offering that you're bringing to me. This is a, a diseased offering that you're bringing to me. And then you're wondering, how did you show contempt to my name? Please understand, I'm not just talking about coming to church on time. You have to, you have to try and interpret it in your own situation and ask the Lord, how did I do this God? Where did I bring a substandard offering? How did I not prepare well for the offering that I had to bring on a Sunday morning? Verse 9, he says, go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you the favor at all? Says the Lord. In other words, when you come and worship in this house, do you know what is happening in the spirit realm? The Lord is preparing to show you favor. The Lord is preparing to pour out His mercy upon you. But God is saying, hey, this is what, this is what I wanted to do to you, but look at the quality of worship that you're bringing to me. Look at the heart behind what, what you're doing. How do you think? Why do you think I should respect this? Why do you think I should give you credit for this? Why do you think I should give you favor? Is anybody feeling like your teeth is being picked out? It's okay. Today, like I told you, it's okay. This is a, a day to get some good feedback from our, our dentist, yeah? Read the next verse. She says, How I wish that one of you would just lock the church, let there be a lockdown in the city and make sure these guys don't even come to church rather than letting these worthless sacrifices being offered in this church. Somebody say, ouch. 
you know what I think I, I, I'm not a perfectionist you know I'm I, I always try to think okay it's better to have something than nothing right but God is a perfectionist God has a certain standard in which we have to worship him God has a certain standard in which we have to give God there, there is a certain style and a and a quality that he demands and God says if you can't give that it's better that one of you would just shut the temple doors and just stop these worthless sacrifices from being offered why because i am not pleased with you i am not going to accept any of these offerings that you're bringing me because it's not just about the offering it's about the preparation that goes behind bringing that offering because it's not just about the song that you sing it's about the heart that you the, the posture the way that you posture your heart the way that you prepare your heart before you come to church week after week after week that is how we bring we we are showing contempt to the name of god verse 12 he says but you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food you are saying it's all right to defile the lord's table look at the kind of compromises that they had in the nation first they were retorting back to god saying when did you love us how did you love us yes we understand we are in the family of jacob and all but where did you love us then they are you know not really respecting the altar upon which the worship is happening then the worship that is happening it is half hearted some of them are blind some of them are diseased some of them are you know lame and crippled and on top of that it says the food that is brought into the house of god it was spoiled food you're bringing contemptible food not acceptable food and then verse 13 do you still have a little more ability to go forward because it's only going to get harder and harder from here okay and you say it's too hard to serve the lord and because you say that you are turning up your noses at my commands says the lord of heaven's armies somebody said ouch it's not like they stopped serving god please understand this is a church that did serve god it's not like they they shut down the church it's not like they stopped worshiping it's not like you know they they are like okay you know let's just you know run away from god let's go back into worshiping idols that's not what they did they did worship god they did come to church they did bring food to the house of god and yet it 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 was with a heart that was not ready because all through the week they are like ah oh, man sunday is the only day i get an off sunday is the only day i get to sleep in it's so hard to wake up early on a sunday morning and just do all these things i i don't know why god wants us to do this anybody complain like that please i'll be honest i have complained you know there's so many times when i have complained you know and we've all had our seasons and times of complaining it's so hard to do this god it's so hard to love these people it's so hard to you know sacrifice and and to do all these things and god is saying whenever you've done that that is a sign of contempt that's a sign of dishonor and disrespect because you say that it is too hard to serve the lord do you know the picture the image that god is giving is that you turn up your noses against my commands in other words you're you're rebelling against me it is 
when you complain with your mouth saying it is so hard to serve god that is equivalent to you breaking all the commandments in the bible i mean how how sinful do we have to be to break all the commandments in the scripture the bible says when you turn and when you say it is too hard to serve the lord when you open your mouth and you make these allegations when you don't trust my love for you when you don't trust what i have planned and prepared for you when you don't come with preparation here is my heart for you i am preparing favor for you i am preparing mercy for you we need, we we cannot give god a substandard quality in this house we have to change the way that we honor and worship god yeah the altar deserves respect this this altar this church it deserves respect not because anybody is going to demand it off of you respect the altar where you bring your worship this altar deserves respect the sacrifice that you bring it cannot be half hearted it has to be prepared it has to be cooked it has to be marinated you know those of you who are chefs and those who work in a restaurant or those who regularly cook tasty food you know that the longer the marination the tastier the food is going to be we don't marinate our worship show me how much you're preparing the food that you're bringing to the house of god are you bringing last minute you know things somehow you just buy the fast food and you just bring it or are you preparing is there some is there hard work that has gone behind the one line that you sing in church on a sunday morning that shows how much honor you have for the presence of god do you want to hear about the priest the description of the priest do you believe you are a priest come on yes no all of you are priests men and women alike old and young alike we are all priests okay here is what god says malachi chapter 2 verse 5 the purpose of my covenant with the levites was to bring what life and peace and that is what i gave them this required reverence from them and they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name what is god saying god is saying this is this is the reason why i made a covenant with my people it's not so that they can remain in poverty and they can remain a slave to death all through their life it says the purpose of my covenant with the levites who are the levites the worshiping group in the nation okay levites are the sacrificing group and he says the purpose of my covenant with the people of god in this church is to bring life and peace you know we read something in the first chapter god says i wanted to give you favor i wanted to give you mercy here god says i wanted to bring life and peace through my relationship with you but then that requires a certain reverence everybody's a reverence so if you don't have reverence you cannot have honor i mean god is your best friend and all but you need to remember that he's also your king he loves you deeply he loves you with an everlasting love but at the same time he is the sovereign lord of all who deserves honor who deserves respect and he says yes if you need to be used to bring life and peace into your environment then it requires reverence from them this is what god wants from us he wants what reverence because it says and they greatly revered me 
and stood in awe of my name. So fear of God, awe of God, the, the reverential worship of God goes hand in hand with honor. You cannot have honor and not have reverence. You cannot have reverence and that not overflow into honor. Some people just have reverence and you know it doesn't show in the way they honor God. But honor and reverence needs to go hand in hand. God says, this is why I made a covenant with you guys. It's so that life and peace can flow through you. But it is conditional on how much reverence you would show me. When you come into the church, why do we lift our hands to God? Is it because it looks good in the pictures? Why do we stand before God? Is it because, you know, these chairs are too weak to hold you for two hours? Why do we not talk to each other when we are worshipping? Why do we not munch on chips while we are worshipping? Because there is a certain reverence that you need to show this king. He is not somebody that just that you can take casually. He is a God who expects reverence from us. You know, this is the result of the reverence. He says, as a result of the reverence, life and peace can flow through you. This is the covenant that I made through you so that you can, you can be the carrier of life and peace. Verse 6, it says, they passed on to the people the truth of the instructions that they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me living good and righteous lives and they turned many from their lives of sin. When we come into the church, it is, it is not so that we can just get rid of our sinful habits. You know, we have to get rid of our sinfulness before we come into the church. Get rid of it and then come into the church so that our lives can be prepared. It can be set in motion so that when we go out there, we can help others to turn from their lives of sin. When you come into the church, you come receive the instruction so that you can take it out from Monday to Saturday. Now you become a Levite. Now you become a priest. Now you become a spokesperson for the grace that you have received and you take this to other people and you lead them into this righteousness that you have experienced yourself. Somebody say, I receive that. That is my lifestyle. That is what I want to do. Please don't just be a beneficiary of what God is doing in this house. Now you need to be an ambassador of what God is doing in this house. Now you need to be a representative. You need to be a spokesperson. That's why by default, you know, I'm not just talking about this church. Wherever, wherever you are planted, whatever church you are calling as your altar, by default, you need to, you need to promote that place among your friends. You need to be talking about that place when you hang out with your family members who don't come to that church. You need to tell them, this is what God is doing there. This is what God is teaching us. This is how the Lord is leading us. Talk about what you've been receiving here. Spread the word to other people because when you do that, what you're saying is, this place deserves respect. I'm going to walk with God and I'm going to take the life and the peace and the instructions that I received from God and I'm going to spread it across. Uh, my walk with God is now going to overflow into how I'm going to turn many other people from their lives of sin. Verse 7, the words of a priest's lips. Everybody place your hands on your lips. 
and read this with me the words of a priest's lips should do what should preserve knowledge of god and people should go to him for instruction for the priest is the messenger of the lord of heaven's armies your lips it needs to preserve the knowledge that you're receiving right now in church it cannot evaporate as soon as you walk out of here your lips it needs to preserve the knowledge of god preserve the revelation of god preserve so that when you go out of this place people will flock to you the reason they don't right now is because they are you're not giving them knowledge of god you're just giving them head knowledge you need to give them the knowledge of god that you receive from this house he says the words of a priest's lips it should preserve the knowledge of god and people should not may people should go to a priest for what for instruction for the priest is the messenger of the lord of heaven's armies come on look at your neighbor and say you are a messenger you represent the lord of heaven's armies come on look at a neighbor in front of you and say you are also a messenger look look to somebody behind you and say you are also an ambassador and everybody said an amen, amen. chapter 2 and verse 10 you ready to go to the next level now god says are we not all children of the same father are we not all created by the same god then why do we betray each other and violate the covenant of our ancestors god is asking a, a very practical question to the nation of judah god is saying don't you all have one father do aren't you all created by the same god then why is it that there is so much of backbiting and gossiping and hurting and slandering within I mean God I I thought you're talking about how we are showing contempt to your name and God is giving us reasons God is showing us how it's not just about what you do here in the church but how we live our lives from Monday to Saturday it matters a lot the Lord is asking why do you betray one another why is there so much words of accusation and pointing fingers at someone else Jesus was very clear he's like judge not so that you don't be judged why are you trying to remove a speck out of your neighbor's eye when there is a log in your own eye my son he had a my son or daughter i don't know they they were discussing and they're like it makes sense why jesus said that uh, and i said why they they're like no if you have a log in your eye and if you come close to somebody that log will touch them no so so first take out the log in your eye then go to remove the speck Jesus is very logical in I like yeah that's good smart here we are we are we, we we are so focused on somebody else's mistake when we should be focusing on our own failures our own faults judge ourselves so that we will not be judged says the lord and god is saying hey don't you have a father who can correct you who can correct them don't you have leaders in your church pastors in your church who can you know help the ones that need to be helped aren't you all created by a god who is appointed as a judge of all of these guys why are you trying to take god's place why are you trying to take the place of your father over someone else's life hey wait a minute that's not your job description your job description is to love one another 
because when we refuse to do that we show contempt to his name we are defiling the sacrifices we are disrespecting the altar upon which we bring our worship let's read on verse 11 he goes on to say judah has been unfaithful and a detestable thing has been done in israel and in jerusalem now 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 stop there okay don't read further now when we read this what is the thing that we think of judah has done something very detestable what what could they have done something really ugly right something very much abominable but this is what the bible says it says the men of judah they have defiled the lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols wait a minute what are you saying god the men of judah are not even in, in invited into the sanctuary the men of judah don't even come on the stage who come on the stage the levites right the priests are the ones who actually offer sacrifices the people of judah they were not allowed into the temple inside the tabernacle they are not allowed they can come into the outer courts where they can give their sacrifices and go off and yet the bible says the men of judah by the, by their actions what did they do they have defiled the beloved sanctuary of the lord they have defiled the holy of holies they have defiled the the, the holy place they have defiled the, the glory of god god this doesn't make sense what did they do what is this detestable thing that they did what is this defiling thing that they did how did they dishonor and show contempt and and defile the beloved sanctuary of the lord and and this is the answer god says this is what they did they married women who worship idols somebody said ouch see this is you know we may think that Uh, my marriage how how does my marriage have anything to do with you know the house of god how is my personal choice my decisions affecting what happens in brc how is you know this is something very private very personal about what i am doing right why will this affect the presence of god that is supposed to come down on a sunday morning and here is god saying yes your alliance with somebody who worships idols that has defiled my sanctuary my beloved sanctuary wow and he is not talking about the priests he's talking about the judites how much more important is it for the priests for you and i to be careful who we partner with i mean marriage is a very important thing if you're marrying an unbeliever i'm telling you it's not worth it it's really not worth it no matter how beautiful that girl is how charming that guy is it's really not worth it because you're not marrying for yourself your marriage is for god's glory your career is for god's glory your your whole life is for god's glory how can you say that it's okay if i compromise here but it is not going to affect the church in any way it is not going to affect what we are doing together in this house it is going to affect it is going to harm and that is why god says hey this is what you have done by your alliance by your partnership you know those agreements that you have made not everything is about marriage sometimes the people that we partner with you know in the old testament there was this guy called jehoshaphat have you heard of this guy great man of god do you know what's the mistake he made he went to ahab and he said hey you and i we are brothers we are one you my army 
is your army your army we, you know why and here is ahab and jezebel they are building altars to baal <laughs> here is ahab and jezebel who is like completely away from the plan and the purpose of god and the man of god he goes and says no 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 jesus told us to love everybody so we will love you brother you and i we are one you know we will do things together let's let's partner let's go for mission trips let's start a business together let's you know come on let's just hold hands and sing kumbaya together and you know let's just be like you know let's just live like how it will be in heaven please understand not everybody that you love do you have to partner with you have to love everybody but you don't have to partner with them we are not here so that we can be benefited by this you know as the lord was speaking to me personally i just felt that man there's so many areas where i've been very self oriented my ministry or my organization or my plans for the future but god is saying hey this is not never been this was never supposed to be about you it was never supposed to be about how your needs are met no your marriage is not about you your your business your money it is not about you and that is why you cannot be the you cannot have the final say that is why jesus needs to have the final say and this is what he is saying he say you cannot partner with somebody that doesn't worship the way you worship you cannot partner you know abraham said this to eliezer abraham said it's okay if my son isaac my only son who is going to become the father of nations he said it's okay if he doesn't get married but he cannot marry a local canaanite woman you know that was not the only condition abraham gave he added one more condition he said you know eliezer said what if the girl is not willing to come is it okay if isaac goes there then abraham is like no 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 not possible isaac's calling is to be in canaan isaac's calling is to be in this place it's okay if isaac remains single in canaan for the rest of his life do you know what age he got married i think he was some 40 or you know very late in his life when he got married it's okay if isaac remains unmarried as long as he is in the promises of god as long as he is in the plan of god then for him to go and defile himself and and go live in my father's house I'm not saying my father's house is bad but his god's plan is for him to be in canaan in canaan technically we are strangers in canaan we don't have our own house we are living in a rented house we are sojourners in canaan but it's better to be living in a rented house in canaan than to be living in your own property in your father's house you understand my example please understand i'm not talking about yeah abraham says it's okay if isaac doesn't get married it's better that he stays here it's better that he doesn't get married it's better that he still remains faithful to the call of god than for him to go and stay in that land if you don't find a woman for him it's okay i release you from this come back that's why eliezer you would see how eliezer when uh, there was a sense of urgency eliezer met the girl the previous night and next morning he's saying i'm going you want to come with me and the whole family is freaking out you're like this is not how we do marriage here you know we have there is a waiting period there is you know a mourning period we have to let go we have to cry we have to do all of this and eliezer eliezer is like no 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 i'm going in the morning you want to come you can come otherwise you can keep the gold 
you can keep whatever i've given you no problem but you want to marry isaac you need to come with me tomorrow morning he didn't even spend 24 hours in that house he went the previous night the next morning he took rebecca and left the house because he was that serious about what his master said that she cannot be too attached to her father's house she has to be attached to the land to the place where her husband is called to live where her husband is called to be planted in so god is saying hey you defile my house by marrying somebody that worship idols verse 13 here is another thing that you do you cover the lord's altar with tears weeping and groaning do you think that this is a very spiritual thing to do because god doesn't pay attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure and then you cry out why doesn't the lord accept my worship i'll tell you why he says because the lord he witnessed what did he witness the words the vows that you made to your wife when you were young you're not young anymore but when you were young so many years back the vows that you made the words that you promised it says god witnessed those words god was standing guard to those words but this is what he says but you have been unfaithful to her and though she remained your faithful partner the wife of your marriage vows do you see how many times god is coming back to saying the the vows that you make the vows the marriage vows that you make the marriage vows you know in all of this you would see the emphasis that god is making on the words of what we speak that's why in chapter 1 you would see somebody that said it is too hard to serve the lord god took a big offense at it and here is a couple here is a man who has made great promises to his wife but over the years he has not been keeping those promises he is he's taken it for granted and now we are wondering what does this have anything to do with what we do in the house of god what does my relationship with my wife in the privacy of my house have anything to do with how i love god in church how i build bring offerings and sacrifices you know jesus said it like this when you come to church and you're about to worship and suddenly you realize that you have a problem with your wife then jesus said leave your offering there okay i'm just paraphrasing it okay go and find this in scripture jesus said then leave your offering there don't take back your offering jesus said leave your offering there go and get settled with your wife first and then come back and finish your offering so can it be that god doesn't want us to do go go you know a few days without our marriages being aligned and sorted without faithfulness being restored in our marriages without faithfulness being reinstated the promises that we have made the the vows that we have made being reemphasized and recelebrated in the marriage that can it be that this is how we will prepare to worship sunday after sunday i mean i know that you know some of us we gargle and we prepare our voices to sing well in church that's a good thing but can you also check hey how much faithful have i been to the promises that i have made at home to my children to my spouse at home because this is going to directly show to god if i am showing contempt to his name or not because this is directly going to defile what god is doing in his house so i have to be careful 
So it's not just about my relationship with the person sitting next to me in church that I don't have to betray that person. It's not just about not being in alliance with new people that, you know, worship idols. It's also about the people that I'm already committed to. Have I been dishonorable towards them? Have I been unfaithful towards them? If yes, I need to fix it before going into the house of God. Please, I, I hope that none of us have to come to church and then be reminded and then go out to make a phone call. Before you come to church, apologize, humble yourself. Your worship is more important than your ego. Your worship is more important than you being proven right. Your worship, your commitment to God, what we are doing together in this church, that is more important to God than, you know, if you get to win an argument at home. It's okay if you don't get to buy what you want to buy. It's okay if you didn't get to, get to have your way. But church, our honor to God is very, very important. Because God says, I will honor those who honor me. And I will despise those who think lightly of me. So God is saying, but you've been unfaithful to her. Even though she remained your faithful partner. Hey, look at this. You've been unfaithful to your vows that you spoke to her. Verse 16, God says, for I hate divorce. Says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. He doesn't say it's unfaithfulness. He says it's cruelty. To divorce is cruelty. So what should you do? So you should guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. You need to evaluate your relationships this week. And say, God, what are those areas where I've been cruel? Where I have been, you know, this may look legal, but hey, have I been cruel? If I've been cruel, I need to repent of it. I need to change. I need to turn my heart, my life around. Jumping to verse 17. God says, you have wearied the Lord with your, with your words. <laughs> with your words, the words that you speak. The words that you speak. You've wearied the Lord with your words. Then we ask, you know, like when we go to the dentist, we'll ask, give me a feedback. What do you mean your teeth is not clean? What do you mean I'm doing this wrong? What did I do wrong? So that's what these guys are asking. There is, it's almost a conversation. Do you see how many times they ask? They retort. They, 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 when God gives them a feedback, they're asking God, give me more. Help me understand what this is. And then, how have we varied you, you ask? God replies, you have varied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight. And he is pleased with them. You have varied him by asking, where is the God of justice? When we, when we open our mouth and when we speak words like, hey, it's, this is not a big deal. It's okay. It's okay to make this compromise. It's okay. It's, you know, in the Lord's sight, you know, everything will be fine. You know, it's not a big deal if you steal only 100 rupees. If you steal 1 crore, that's a bad thing. 100 rupees, no, it's not a big deal. It's okay to steal only 100. You know, when you say a word with your mouth, when you say, acknowledge something, that that evil is okay in God's sight, that is you making God weary. Can God become weary? Do you know what it means to be weary? It is not what you experience when you, are, when you do 30 minutes on a treadmill. Weary is what you experience after you've run 20, 25, 30 kilometers in a marathon. What happens to you after that is what is weary. 
It's, it's, it's like God is saying, I'm tired of you guys. This is, this is a burden for me now. I, I despise this. God is saying, when we use our words, the words that we speak, can we watch the words that we speak outside the church as well? Come on church, this week, we have to be very careful. We have to put a, put a lock and a key on our mouth and, and just process everything. Process, process, reprocess. You know, even if, you, even if people think you're dumb, you can't speak something fast, it's okay. Just process it multiple times before you finally open your mouth to say something. Because God says, you're wearing me with the words that you speak. You're saying, where is the God of justice? You're saying, where is... Is, is, is this even fair, God? Why is God allowing this in my life? You know what you're saying? You're saying, where is the God of justice? And God is saying, you're wearing me with your words. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. So God says, look, I am sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. This morning, this word that is coming to you, it is preparing a way for honor. It is preparing. It is bringing divine alignment in our lives. So this morning, we are not here to try to condemn you and say, oh, such a miserable guy you are. There's no point in you coming to church. I'm not asking you to stop coming to church. Please understand. I'm not asking you to stop offering offerings to God, bringing worship to God. I'm just saying we need to prepare the right path in our coming to church. We need to prepare a right path for the coming of the Lord. So the Lord is sending, it says, look, I am sending my messenger. The word, the, the, the messenger, the message that is coming to you, it is so that the way can be prepared so that the road can be straightened out then the Lord that you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple how many of you want the Lord to come suddenly into this temple how many of you want the Lord to suddenly manifest one Sunday morning you know sometimes we, we, we zoom in on that Sunday and say what did we do right on this Sunday and we are thinking, oh, it is because Michael was on the keys and he was playing F sharp. That is the key. And, and then we are like, Michael, every Sunday from now, only do that. And you sit in that same posture. What you don't know is that the way started being prepared a few years back. Every Sunday when the message was being prepared, when the message was coming, the way was being prepared. And all of a sudden the Lord came. All of a sudden the revival manifests. All of a sudden signs and wonders and healings and miracles started manifesting. And you're wondering that it's because of that man of God or that particular Sunday. It's not. It's because there was a lot of process that was necessary to prepare the way of the Lord. And everybody said an amen. He goes on to say, the messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly, he is surely coming. The question is, who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face when he appears? Only those that have a revelation of honor. Only those that don't show contempt to his name. He goes on to say, for he will be like a blazing fire. A fire that refines metals or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. This is God's presence in this place. This morning, His presence is here and this is what He's going to do. He'll be like a blazing fire. Because I gave you the 
example of a dentist he will be like that you know pointy thing that the dentist puts into your mouth to clean it up to to it is it painful it is painful but he this this presence of god this morning it is going to function like a blazing cleansing fire because the bible says he's a fire that refines metals and he's a soap that bleaches the the worst stains the craziest of stains that you have experienced that you have on your clothes this morning the the best of the soap is available in this house this morning please understand i'm not discouraging you from coming to church i'm saying in this place we have the refiner in this place the it was necessary that that these things will be exposed before the refinement process because otherwise we will go back out and we will do the exact same things if the dentist doesn't tell you what you've been doing wrong you'll go back and do the same thing and you'll have to keep visiting the dentist every week but instead if the dentist keeps telling you this is what you're doing wrong then you will you the amount of refinement you will need the next week will be much lesser yeah read verse 3 says he will sit like a refiner of silver burning away the dross and he will purify the levites come on all the levites say he will purify the levites refining them like gold and silver so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the lord this morning that is why we have gathered here so that he can refine us like 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 silver is refined like gold is refined so that he can refine us this morning so that once again we can worship him once again we can bring honor to him once again we can revere him once again we can experience favor once again we can receive life and peace once again we can receive the blessings verse 5 he says at that time i'm going to put you on trial and i'm going to witness i'm going to speak about you i'm going to witness against all the sorcerers and the adulterers and the liars and this is what i'm going to do i will speak against those who cheat employees of their wages who oppress widows and orphans or who deprive the foreigners living among you of justice for these people they do not fear me there is no fear there is no reverence for god there is no respect for god so god says i have to fix these things you know there is a witness that is going out this is how god does the refining process what does god do he he is speaking something he is revealing exposing that dirt in our hearts so whenever there are areas where we are cheating somebody where we are mistreating somebody god is saying all of this you're not doing it to that person yeah don't think you're cheating a girl what you're doing is you're disrespecting my name he says for these people they do not fear me wow what we do to somebody else god is saying you're doing it to me we're thumbing our noses against him can we have that perspective in our mind this week when we open that whatsapp conversation when we when we just want to vent out and vomit and just give them a piece of our mind can you remember this that whatever you say you're not doing it to that person you're doing it to the lord and god is saying it's a sign that you do not fear me it's a sign that there is no reverence it's a sign that there is no you know fear of god that you're not standing in awe of, of who i am and god says 
I, I, I'm going to expose those things. And when I expose those things, it's a process of cleansing. Amen? Verse 8. We've read this so many times, so I'm going to read it a little fast. Should people cheat God? Should people rob God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? Is it even possible to cheat you, God? When did we cheat you? And God says, you have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings that are due to me. Verse 10. God says, so bring, come on loudly, bring, not bring the tithes. It says bring. God is not saying just bring the tithes. God is saying bring all the tithes. Be particular, be very specific. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. You remember in chapter 1, God says the food is not good in the house. Now God is giving us the source of that lack of food or that food being not correct. God says all the tithes are not in the house. So bring all the tithes and all the offerings into the house so that the food can be up to the mark. So there is enough food in my temple. Verse 10, it says, If you do, I will open the windows of heavens for you. And I will pour out a blessing so great that you don't even have enough room to take it in. And then God says, try it. <laughs> Put me to test. Come on. God is saying, this is a conversation. This is a, let's bet on this. Have you tried betting with, with your close friends? God is saying, come, let's bet. Try it. You know, any product that you buy, you, there is a trial period, right? God is saying, okay, let's do a trial period for your tithes and offerings. You wait and watch. You give me your tithes and offerings. Bring all your tithes and offerings. And you wait and watch how I will bless you. And I will pour out a blessing that is so big that you will not even be able to contain it. There will be no room to, to contain it. Try me. Put me to test. Verse 13. Again, God is speaking about the words. He says, You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, What do you mean? When did we say anything against you, God? What are the terrible things that we said against you? God is clarifying verse 14. You have said, what's the use of serving God? <laughs> what have we gained by obeying His commands or by trying to show the Lord of Heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? I have confessed, I have done all these things. Did anything change? Did I get married yet? Did my, you know, business prosper yet? You know, did my family, you know, did they come back to me? What is the use of doing all these things? You know what God is saying? God is saying, you have said terrible things about me. In God's eyes, this is, we, we are speaking terrible things when we are saying that, ah, what is the use? What is the point? Because sometimes when we read that verse, try me, put me to test, we may think that, oh, okay, God said, try me, put me to test. Okay, here is 10 rupees. Okay, let's see. Next month, okay, it didn't become 20. Now we are trying, we are saying, okay, God, what's the point? Where, where is it? It didn't work. You said, try me, put me to test. But at the same time, God is saying, wait a minute. Yes, I said, try me, put me to test. But at the same time, 
you're cancelling out that blessing that was supposed to come to you because of the terrible things that you you opening your mouth to speak do you know what is your biggest enemy your tongue not the satan it's your tongue which is your biggest enemy when you open your mouth and said what please 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 remember i am not manufacturing any of these things go back and read it in your book in your bible just to make sure and compare word to word if it's the same if i misuse the wrong translation to manipulate you into believing these things wrong no, this is in your bible god is saying you have said terrible things about me when you said that hey there is no point in serving god there is no point in obeying god there is no point in confessing repenting of my sins look at this nothing has changed in my life 10 years i've been doing the same thing there's no point in my life you know what what you're doing at that moment you're confessing contempt dishonor to the name of god this morning it is exposed this morning it is brought to light so that we can avoid it going forward are there going to be moments when we are discouraged yes we come to god in a humble posture saying god what did we do wrong where did we miss the mark we don't come by we don't come with an accusatory gun that says hey what's the point of doing all this what's the point of giving all my money to church please i'll tell you this if you don't want to give money please don't give money but don't ever give money and then complain about giving money that will only prove to be a curse to you you don't give money you'll only not be blessed right you'll at least get to keep whatever you have but you give money and then you complain about it you say what is what's the point of all this when you are now inheriting a curse for the things that you have please don't do that please don't serve god and then complain about the service you did to god you don't want to come serve in the house please don't serve we'll not put you put a collar on your head and you know pull you into church every week no you don't want to serve don't serve but if you serve and then you complain about your service that is dishonorable to god please don't do that i'm saying this to you because i care for you I'm not losing anything. I I'm saying this to you because we all want to grow together. We want to make sure that this house we are not defiling the the presence of God. We are not defiling what God is doing in this house. That is why we are saying we cannot open our mouth and speak terrible things about the the service that we do for God. No, no, no. Not in this house. It says in the next verse verse 16. Then everybody say then those who feared the lord spoke with each other do you see how much of this is about words yeah from chapter 1 verse 2 from the time that they are retorting back to god they are the ones who don't fear god right they are the ones who show contempt to his name they are the ones who defile the altar and the sacrifices they are the ones who defile their relationships they are the ones who do get married to those who worship idols they are the ones who you know you know are unfaithful to the promises the marriages and yet now god is saying there is another group of people who fear my name now there is a conversation they spoke with each other okay they spoke with each other look at your neighbor and say stay back after church i need to talk to you yeah because god is interested in this what does it say they spoke with each other and the lord listened to what they said guess who is eavesdropping on your conversations you're thinking oh as long as i didn't write it on facebook it should be okay no 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 what do you speak to each other god is very keenly listening 
to the words you speak he says then those who fear the lord spoke to each other i pray that, that this is speaking about us come on yeah this is about you and me that yes we we are the ones who fear the lord and then we will speak to one another and the bible says when we speak to one another the lord will listen to what they say verse 16 goes on to say in his presence there is a scroll of remembrance do you remember last week also we read about this there was a book of remembrance that king xerxes kept that spoke about everything that mordecai had done even though it was forgotten temporarily it was written down somewhere okay the bible says in his presence hmm in his presence there is a scroll of remembrance and it records the names of those who fear him and always thought come on everybody say thought they thought because they are constantly thinking over how i will honor the name of god when they speak to one another they are no longer complaining about how the food is not right the song is not right the temperature is not they they are they are looking to to honor the name of the lord they are constantly thinking about how i can honor the name of god okay and then they come together and god the bible says god is listening to their conversation and he's writing down names not angels but god himself he's it's in his presence he's he's kept a scroll to write down names of those who honor him wow those who fear him those who are in reverence of him those who are careful with the words that come out of their mouth and this is not please understand you know it's very easy to say that i didn't do this publicly it was a private conversation even your private conversations god is eavesdropping on that conversation private conversations verse 17 god says they will now be my people says the lord of heaven samis on the day when i act in judgment they will be my own special treasure this is what god is saying about you you can be happy okay god is saying they will be my own special treasure and i will spare them as a father spares an obedient child come on now this is the blessing of god over our lives verse 18 then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked you will see the difference between those who serve god and those who do not those who do not serve god are not the ones who don't serve god those who don't serve god are the ones who serve god but then they say terrible things about it with their mouths so god is saying now i'm going to bring a distinction because i am watching i'm listening to each conversation that you have and i'm checking how much honor there is between you guys to my name for my presence when you converse and god says then i'm going to bring a distinction then i'm going to set apart the wicked and the righteous then i'm going to say you serve me and you do not you built your house on the wood and the straw and the hey you built it on gold and silver all of that is going to be based on how you speak your attitude when you come together here in church and everybody said an amen chapter 4 verse 1 the lord of heaven's army says the day of judgment is coming it is burning like a furnace on that day the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like the straw they will be consumed root branches and all but where's true it says but for you come on but for you who fear 
my name, the son of righteousness, will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves that are let out to pasture. This morning the Lord is saying, his healing is reigning in this place. For you who fear his name, his, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Let's stand up for the next few verses. Psalm 25 and verse 11. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my, my many sins. You've been convicted of some many sins this morning? So we are saying, for the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive me my many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path that they should choose. Now they will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. Verse 14, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. Now he is the one who teaches them his covenant. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. Do you remember the, the reason why God took down those names? The reason why God was listening to your conversation is not just so that he can honor you. It's not just so that he can make a distinction and bless you and heal you. It's because God says, now I want to be a friend to you. Because the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. The Lord, he is teaching his covenants. He's saying, hey, I'm going to prosper you. Your children, they will inherit. You, I mean, there is no way that you can honor God and God doesn't honor you. We cannot be a church that dishonors God with our words. We cannot be a church that dishonors God with our actions. We cannot be a church that dishonors God with our relationships. We cannot be a church that dishonors God with the way that we serve Him. We cannot be a church that dishonors God with the way that we bring our tithes and our offerings to Him. We cannot be a church. We have to be a church that God says, Hey, I, I, I heard the conversation that they had. And I've, I've caught this person to be a, someone that is very intentional to honor me. Very intentional to fear my name. And because of that, I'm going to be a friend to him. I'm going to make a clear distinction between him and the others. I'm going to be lifting him up. Not only am I going to forgive his many sins, but now I'm going to elevate him. Now I'm going to strengthen him. Now I'm going to prosper him. Now I'm going to heal him. Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11 a.m. at youtube.com slash Pastor God bless you and have a blessed week.